Hello everyone, welcome back to Talks in Class. Welcome back to the pod. I hope everybody had a fabulous week. I am coming to you from the new apartment. And if you are watching on video, it looks exactly like the old apartment because it pretty much is. Uh, we moved from one apartment in our apartment complex into pretty much the same apartment in our apartment complex, just in a different location within the complex because our old apartment was really dark and this one is nice and bright. It faces a different direction. It doesn't have trees outside the window like the old one. And I see, even on a cloudy day, a lot of light coming in. But it's flip-flopped. It's a mirror image of the old apartment because it's on kind of the other side of the building. So that's been kind of throwing me off because I am used to where everything is. And you know, when you get used to stuff, you, you kind of just go on autopilot. So the other day I tried to, when we first moved in, I tried to leave the apartment and I opened up the hall closet door instead of the front door because they're next to each other. But now they're reversed in this new apartment. So other than that, uh, it was a very easy moving process, much easier than I anticipated because one, it was a really short distance. We didn't have to go out of the apartment complex, but two, I think just putting everything away in the same spot makes it so much easier. And I never really thought about this before because typically when you move into a new space, there's always something that's off, you know, like the kitchen cabinet space is different. The closet space is different. You have to figure out what's going to go where and that really does take a lot of time and kind of just mental capacity and because we didn't have that in this apartment we were able to just unpack all the stuff out of the boxes and put it right back into its exact same spot and we got everything completely unpacked by monday which was amazing we moved on saturday so two days and the moving process was over. So you really can't ask for an easier move than that. I do have to apologize in advance if there is some background noise in this episode that I'm not able to remove. I'm still trying to figure out the best recording place in this new apartment. And because it's in a different location, there's just a little bit more street noise coming from outside. So I'll do my best to get rid of it, but advanced apologies if that does happen. Other than the move over the weekend, which obviously kind of occupied a lot of our time and energy this weekend, we watched that Queen Maker documentary on Hulu, which is about socialites and kind of that scene in the 2000s. And from what I saw in the trailer, it seemed like it was going to be a lot about paparazzi and kind of like the media culture that surrounded celebrities in that time. And I don't want to spoil too much, but it was like two different documentaries in one. I, it was really fascinating. I do recommend watching it, but it was not what I expected at all. There was the story about the socialites, which was really... I, I think hyped up in the trailers for it and the advertising. And then there was this other story about the, the person, the founder who uh, created the website that reported gossip about the socialites and just kind of like that life story. So very interesting. I personally, of course, was hoping to see a lot about Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie and kind of that big heiress celebrity, almost fad. It was like a fad that these, these rich kids of moguls, you know, became tabloid sensations in the 2000s. So I was hoping to see a lot more of that, but it was really interesting. And I really appreciated that Kelly Coutrone was one of the commentators in it. I love Kelly Coutrone and I really missed seeing her on my television. 
We also watched the documentary about Randall Emmett, um, Lala Kent's ex uh, from Vanderpump, and kind of his whole scandal and all of his shady business, which was also really interesting. The stuff about his assistants in particular was wild. So we've been deep in the documentary hole. Next up, I'm going to make Hubs watch the one about Bama Rush. <laughs> because I really want to watch that. So as always, I will start with my what good happened. Obviously the move was a really good thing that happened and we're really excited and happy to be in the new apartment and settled. But I also have a really random little one and you guys know these little things are the things that just like put a smile on my face and I love when stuff like this happens. So there's this sweater at Abercrombie that I've been wanting. It's a brown knit sweater. I should have worn it for this episode so people watching the video could see, but it's just a brown knit sweater, kind of like an open knit. It's open in the front really cute. I just feel like it's versatile, but it's not something that I need. You know what I mean? It's not like, oh, I have this desperate need for this item in my wardrobe, but I kept thinking about it. And then as I was packing for the move, I found an Abercrombie gift card that I had completely forgot about. So I was like, okay, I have this gift card. I'll go buy the sweater. I go on the website to buy it and it was on sale. I was irrationally excited about it being on sale and having the gift card. I was like, see, this is why I waited. This is why I didn't buy it full price when I saw it in the store the first time. Those little things really do matter day to day. They always put a smile on my face. So I don't know. Think about something small that made you excited or just made you smile recently. I, I promise it really helps. I know there's something. So this week we are talking about one of my favorite things and that is ways that we just kind of passed time in the early 2000s. This is something that I think really gives adults a strong sense of nostalgia is this idea of actively looking for ways to pass time because that is a luxury that adults just don't have or most adults just don't have. We're not bored anymore. We don't have to look for ways to fill our time because our lives are usually very full, too full most of the time. So I really love thinking back on those days before that was the case and reflecting on the ways that we quite literally just wasted time. And this week, specifically, I'm going to talk about how we spent our time after school in the 2000s. Not too long ago in an episode, I talked about my high school experience in the early to mid 2000s. I was in high school from fall 2001 to spring 2005 and how I spent my days in high school for the most part. So of course there was the actual school day, but then there was after school as well. And it actually amazes me when I think back now how much energy we all must have had as teens because we packed so much into our days willingly, or at least I did. I'd be at school sometimes before school, either to run or for some other sort of meeting for a club or something. I remember our jazz choir, for some reason, sometimes met before school. I guess maybe it was because it was a small group and there wasn't designated time for it during the school day. I'm not sure, but we would have that before school sometimes. So sometimes I'd be at school at 7, 7.30 a.m. and then I'd be in class, actual school, from you know 8 to 3 go to track practice. Then sometimes I'd go to dance class after that. I did three different types of dance through a dance studio while I was in high school. So I think I had all three back to back and it was one night a week most of the time. So that's a big chunk of time. And then I'd get home at, you know, 9 p.m. or something. 
if I didn't have dance class, I would kill time with my friends until dinner time or I'd eat dinner and then go hang out with my friends or they'd come over and we would just kind of hang out. I don't know. I'm exhausted thinking about this. And now I'm like, I did a couple tasks today. I ran an errand. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done for the day. After dinner, for sure. I'm I'm not going back outside. I was thinking about all of this recently and trying to remember ever actually doing homework. And I can remember exactly one time coming home from hanging out with my friends around, you know, 9 p.m., going up to my room and doing a whole project that was due the next day. <laughs> I'm still like this. I guess it started early. But I really think that I did most of my homework during school hours, either in study hall or in another class, like doing homework for one class in another class. Do you guys remember in Passport to Paris when Mary-Kate and Ashley are explaining to their parents over dinner how they do homework for each class in another class? That was my strategy too, always in high school. My high school also had block scheduling, which meant that we had four class periods a day and each one of those periods was 90 minutes. So instead of most people I think had like six to eight periods a day and their classes were 45 minutes to an hour, we had 90 minute blocks of class, which is a very long time, especially for a, a teenager. So I guess because each class was so long, there was a lot of work time I remember built into the actual class time. So part of the class would be the actual lesson for the day. And then we would do group work or we'd have time to work on stuff. That was something that I remember a lot in high school. I'm sure that I did have homework that I did actually at home on occasion, but I really don't remember spending much time doing schoolwork outside of school, which was amazing, obviously. It gave me time to do all the other nonsensical things I did as a teenager. And I was a pretty good student overall, especially in, English related subjects. I loved English. I loved public speaking. I took all the speech classes that I could. I was on the forensics team. Nobody really knows forensics when I say that. It sounds like something that it's not, but it's a speech and debate competition for students. And I did all the dramatic categories. Obviously I did solo acting and I think group interp or solo interp. I don't know. I did a lot of the dramatic categories where you would do dramatic readings and, and performances of these texts. And I loved that. I really loved that. It's fascinating sometimes to think about how now as an adult, I can look back at some of those things in high school or some of those tendencies that I had, like doing a project the night before it was due or, you know, the areas of school where I did well. And it all makes so much sense now as an adult. I'm still absolutely terrible at math, like on an embarrassing level. I have to take my calculator out for everything. I still love reading. I read all the time. I do a form of public speaking, just not live as my job now. I still love clothes and I don't love authority. I mean, you know, some things just don't really change, I guess. But anyway, being that we were teenagers with tons of energy and very little adult responsibilities, my friends and I filled our after-school hours with extracurricular activities and then just a lot of hanging out and kind of doing nothing. I always think of that 70s show and their theme song when I think about my teenage years, it's such an accurate portrayal of how my friends and I spent a lot of time. There was a lot of hanging out, doing the same old thing, which was a whole lot of nothing. I grew up in a really rural area in a small school, and I guess that was the reason, but our school did not have a ton of extracurricular activities. The 
options were just limited, especially when it came to sport, uh, clubs beyond sports. We didn't have a lot of sports that other schools had either. We didn't have soccer, we didn't have swimming, we didn't have hockey. There were a lot of things that if you wanted to do that, you would have to find a club and there, it wasn't through the school. It was basically volleyball, football, dance team, basketball, track and cross country, and then baseball and softball. That was kind of it. And then beyond sports, the clubs were even more limited. I really don't remember a whole lot of things uh, that were options for, for kids in my school. We had things like forensics and Spanish club, which I was also a part of, but they didn't meet very often. I don't remember if forensics was just a certain time of the year, but I don't remember meeting for that super often. In elementary school, we had OM, Odyssey of the Mind. Did anybody, was this a thing anywhere else? I feel like I never hear anybody else talk about this, but I loved OM. It's kind of hard to explain what it was. It was a competition and you had a team and your team had to come up with some sort of elaborate, creative solution to a problem, but then you had to give this performance around it and the rules were really strict. I just remember things being really intense, like there was intense time limits, really strict time limits, and nobody could help you. You had to come up with it all by yourself. Like your parents could not help you with anything, your teachers, nothing. I remember we were like, took it very seriously, but I loved it. My friends and I who did it with me really loved it, but I think that was only elementary school. And then in high school, we had things like band and choir, obviously, and there was also a small jazz choir and I think a jazz band. I was in the jazz choir in high school. We called it vocal jazz until I got mono. <laughs> I think it was sophomore year, maybe late sophomore year. I got mono. I was sick for months because, you know, it's mono. And I would, I remember I would start feeling better and think I'm, I'm fine. And I would go back into my full normal routine. And then I would get really, really sick again and feel super tired and wiped out. So I guess I just missed too many vocal jazz rehearsals and I got kicked out. <laughs> for attendance. I think they had a really strict policy on missing rehearsals. So I got kicked out and I remember being so mad because I was like, it's not my fault. I had mono. What do you want me to do? I can't. I think I also lost my voice. I don't know. It was a whole thing, but I remember being really upset about being kicked out of vocal jazz, but there just weren't a ton of after-school activities. Not many niche kind of clubs for kids who weren't into sports. I was also in dance, like I mentioned, through a studio, and that was a couple towns over, which is where a lot of the people in my town went to for studio dance. And then I did high school dance team for one season my senior year, and I hated it. And I was not good at it. It was just not my thing. So this was 2004, 2005, uh, senior year. So it was fall, I guess that would have been late 2004. So if you think about the music that was popular in late 2004, we were doing routines to Nelly and Usher. I remember one routine from maybe my junior year. It was during basketball season and it was TEI by by Nelly and all the girls wore basketball jerseys. Oh my God. You guys, I grew up doing ballet. My body just doesn't do that. It doesn't move in the ways that these routines were supposed to move. I looked like Julia Stiles in Save the Last Dance when the guy's trying to teach her to move her shoulders. It was all wrong. It was not for me. And I mean, this is a high school full of farm kids in rural Wisconsin, so I don't know. The whole thing was giving Rancho Carne Toros. I'm sure some girls made it look really cool, and 
and could move that way, but I wasn't one of them. It was, it was not my thing. Track was really my only sport that I both enjoyed and was somewhat good at. I always joke that I did the things that didn't require <laughs> coordination. I was not athletic. I'm still not athletic. I cannot throw a ball. I cannot catch a ball. I cannot shoot a basket. I used to panic in elementary school gym class when we would have to play kickball or softball or something in the whole group setting. And then I would be up to kick or bat. And I just knew that I was going to miss and embarrass myself. It was just, that was never my thing. But running, running I could do, still still can do, and dance. I guess there were no balls to catch in, in dance, so that was different. So I was in track, I ran distance. I did the 800 and the four by eight and the four by four, and I think I did the, the regular 400 too. And anyone who ran that kind of like mid distance in track knows that the 800 is the worst freaking possible running event in track because it's basically a half mile sprint and I had to do it twice in every single meet because I did the 800 and then I did the 800 relay which was the worst I still remember every time it was two laps around the track right half a mile so after the first lap my track coach would always be standing next to the track clapping and cheering me on and I can still hear him clapping and saying come on JB and I remember sometimes I just wanted to drop the baton on purpose so I'd be disqualified and I could just go to the concession stand and call it a day but I didn't I didn't I didn't do that and since I ran distance and track sometimes we'd have to go out on really long runs during practice during the week so my high school <laughs> this is a small town stuff my high school is down the street from the county fairgrounds and there was basically kind of a back way that you could get to and from the high school and if you would go that back way through the fairgrounds it would add about a mile onto your run so a lot of the times they would have us do that either at the beginning or the end of our run to just add a little bit more distance onto whatever the run is so my friends and I this is terrible my friends and I would run through the fairgrounds we'd kind of hang back from the, the pack of people and let them get far enough ahead of us to where they wouldn't notice us behind them and then we'd hide behind a barn in the fairgrounds and just hang out there until enough time had passed and then we would like go out behind everybody when they were on their way back and act like we did the whole run but really we skipped it and we were just talking about you know the simple life and boys behind the pig barn <laughs> fairgrounds i remember one time a really we had a really long run and we ran to a friend's house and just sat there and ate popsicles for like an hour i remember it was so hot that day so we just sat there ate popsicles for like an hour and then ran back <laughs> high school kids were the worst honestly and this was something that i like moderately enjoyed. I can't imagine the ways that I would have cheated through something that I really hated. <laughs> I feel bad for teachers and coaches out there. Any teachers and coaches out there who work with high school students, bless you. You are a far more patient soul than I ever could hope to be. But really, for the most part, I just have to say, for the most part, we did our long runs. We did what we were supposed to. We went to the track meets. We'd all sit around and someone would, you know, put French braided pigtails and all of the girls' hair for our races. And it was fun. When I didn't have track, my after-school hours were occupied more by just simply killing time, finding random things to do to occupy my time. I lived near my high school and I'm an only child, so my house was the default hangout spot for a lot of my friends. My mom 
also just like loves having people around. She's the type of mom who likes to host. She loves to make you a snack. She's that type of mom. And she was the opposite of an almond mom. If you've heard this term circulating around, that was not her. She was not an almond mom. She was an Oreo mom. Our house was stocked with all the snacks, all the junk food, all the classic after school 90s, early 2000s snacks. Our house had them all. We always had Snickers and M&M Kudos bars. Those were always my first snack to grab when I came in the door. We usually had some pizza rolls or pizza bagels. I preferred pizza rolls myself, but sometimes we do the bagels. And we usually had good sweets too. Little Debbie zebra cakes and nutty bars. Those are my favorite. Maybe some fruit roll-ups or fruit by the foot. Definitely some Schwann's ice cream. Did you guys have a Schwann's man? Was this only a small town Midwestern thing or was this everywhere? <laughs> this sounds so quaint now when I think about it, but the Schwann's man would drive around and sell food door to door out of his, tr out of his truck. So he came once a week, same night, every week. I, for some reason, I think it was Wednesday night and it was always the same guy. So you knew your Schwann's man. I mean, we had the same Schwann's man for years. I think his, I think his name was Kevin. I might be making this up, but I really feel like his name was Kevin. But he would come to your house and have his little truck full of frozen foods and you would buy the frozen foods from him. And they had the best frozen foods. I could still taste the, taste the chicken tenders, I swear. And they sold those little ice cream cups with the wooden kind of spatula spoon that you would get in elementary school when it was ice cream day. But my favorite, my favorite Schwann's treat were the cones. They had these ice cream cones with the cone and then it had kind of chocolate sauce drizzled inside of it with the vanilla ice cream and then chocolate chips on the top. And they were wrapped in that kind of waxy paper that you'd peel off. Oh my, I can still taste them. They're so good. And my mom has the biggest sweet tooth of anybody that I think I've ever met in my entire life, including me, which is saying something. So we always had those. We were stocked up on the ice cream. I feel bad now that I think about it. My poor mom, my friends probably ate all of my mom's snacks. Like she probably came home from work. She had a fairly stressful job. My mom worked in mental health. She was a counselor at a prison. So, you know, not the easiest job. So she probably came home from work thinking, I just want to have a nice Schwann's ice cream comb and comes home to find that one of my little stinky high school friends ate the last one. <laughs> but my house was the default hangout spot. It was really the place where we would all kind of gather after school. We had open campus lunch too. So people would come to my house to eat lunch. And it was just kind of like that spot. I feel like every, every friend group kind of has the default hangout spots. And my house was definitely one of them. It wasn't a party spot, but it was a hangout spot. Those things were very different. And because it was Wisconsin, we hung out where all good Midwestern kids hung out in the 2000s, which was in the basement. The basement had everything that we needed. It had a big clunky TV with MTV on it. It had a big old gateway desktop computer that we could use to go online or illegally download songs online where to burn a new CD. It had a clear blue cordless phone that we could call people on. And it had an old 90s stereo that was so giant, it sat on the floor like a piece of furniture so that we could listen to our burn CDs once we made them from our illegal downloads off of LimeWire. 
And the actual furniture down there, as you can imagine, it being a basement, was just kind of a random assortment of furniture. Like my mom's old dresser from her bedroom was down there. And then the bookshelf that was in my room when I was a kid was down there. But I remember in probably 2002, my mom redid the basement and she wanted it to be less of a basement and more of a family room. <laughs> going to be an actual room of the house instead of kind of like the teenage dungeon. So she got rid of the random furniture assortment and she bought this red couch. I don't know what it is about a red couch, but that screams the 2000s to me. We loved that red color for furniture and it had a matching red chair with an ottoman and then she got a TV stand set that had a matching desk and a matching shelving unit thing that would kind of flank the TV where we could put all of our old VHS tapes and the few DVDs that we had purchased since we upgraded, you know, from the VHS to the DVD player around 2000 or so. But it was very exciting having that room redone. It was like our hangout spot got a makeover. <laughs> And I was an only child too, so there was no sibling to share this basement hangout room with. It was like our little lair, our teenage lair. And I really feel like I spent way more time in the basement during my childhood and teenage years than anywhere else in the house. I was never, ever, ever in the regular living room. I don't remember ever sitting in the regular living room in my mom's house until I was an adult, really. It was either the basement or up in my bedroom always. And then of course, if we were looking for some real excitement, once we turned 16 and we could drive, which was for me, it was 2003, we would either drive a couple towns over and go to McDonald's or <laughs> go to Walmart and just wander around. I don't know why it was always Walmart, but we would go to Walmart and we would wander the aisles, maybe play with the kids' toys or buy a single Bon Bon nail polish from Walmart. And once we all could drive, a lot of us got weekend jobs, which was the best because it meant that we had some money to spend on things like gas and Bon Bons and McDonald's. But since most of us worked at little restaurants or little cafes or something in town that were really only busy on the weekends, it also meant that we had our weekday afternoons free. So if we had money from our jobs and we were feeling like we had cash flow, we would go to Perkins and we would order a side salad with ranch and some fries. <laughs> or if we were feeling especially fancy, we would go to the mall and buy a graphic tee at American Eagle with some sort of very inappropriate innuendo on it. Or we would go to the nail salon and get our nails done or maybe go tanning. The nails and tanning appointment afternoon was its own activity. And this was the ultimate way to spend an afternoon after school for me when I was in high school. We would make a whole event out of this, me and my friends. We would pile into someone's car. We'd always have a really good burn CD with all of our favorite songs of the moment on it. We would drive, it was like 20 minutes away. We'd always go tanning first. I don't know why we chose to go tanning first, but we'd go tanning, always at the same tanning salon. I ended up working there actually for a while in college, so I spent a lot of time in that tanning salon in my life. And then after that, we would head over to the nail salon, which was in the mall, for a $17 fill on our French tipped, extremely square acrylic nails. And we would be smelling like burnt flesh and coconut tanning lotion and sweat rolling into that nail salon, all, you know, four of us, a whole car full of teenage girls. But if we didn't have money and we were really bored, we would just drive around with a couple friends and randomly stop at people's houses. I remember doing this a lot. You know, we had 
kind of our set paths that we would drive on the back roads, always the back roads, never the main roads. We liked the back roads. You wouldn't see another car. It took longer to get places. So there were these designated loops that you kind of knew. And then you knew on each loop which houses or which people's houses were the hangout spots. So those were the places where you could likely find a couple of your friends hanging out on any given day. So maybe you would call them if you had service and minutes left on your giant brick of a cell phone. But most of the time we would just drive by and like scope out the cars in the driveway because Obviously, in a small town back then, you knew everyone's cars. So if there were cars in the driveway that you recognized, then we would stop and just hang out. Can you imagine just stopping by a friend's house now, completely unannounced, just being like, oh, I was driving by and I saw your car and so-and-so's car in the driveway, so I thought I would stop by, just knock on the door, or certain people would hang out in the garage, so we would just bypass the house, go into the garage, or some people's houses we would just walk right into and like go into the basement. I mean, I guess we assumed their parents weren't home or we knew their parents' schedules, but what if their parents were home and there was just a, a crowd of teenagers walking into your front door without knocking? If you did that now, people would think you were some sort of psychopath, you know, but that's just what we did. And when you were out of cell phone minutes and free calling didn't start until 9 p.m., you had to make do, you know what I mean? This was our only option. <laughs> and these really were such fun times. I think that the simplicity of things like this is what makes people feel so nostalgic. You know, we were just out there killing time until our parents made us go home and do our homework and go to bed. And just finding excitement in such mundane things like going to Walmart, going to the nail salon, things that are errands now, things that are now on our to-do list as adults were fun, entertaining, exciting things to do as teenagers. Maybe there's something profound there about perspective and appreciating little things, I don't know. What I do know is that we had a great time even though we were doing nothing. And when we weren't out there running around, killing time, there was always the big tube TV in the basement, which provided endless hours of entertainment, of course. And no discussion of after-school entertainment in the 2000s would really be complete without mentioning the TV that raised us <laughs> back in the day. So I will wrap this up by sharing with you my top five TV shows that I could be found watching after school in the early 2000s. Number five, old sitcoms and old being 10 or so years old at that time. So sitcoms from the 80s, 90s, things like Family Matters, Saved by the Bell, Full House, those shows that now like are like friends, the things that are always on TV somewhere on some channel. I feel like I spent more time watching those types of shows than almost anything in those days. Number four, the Disney Channel. My obsession with the Disney Channel started with the show Bug Juice in like 1998 or 1999. I remember Disney Channel was a premium channel in the 90s where I lived. And when Bug Juice came out, I think we had just gotten it. It had just been added to the, the regular TV package and it was a really, really exciting moment in my life. But I personally stayed really faithful to Disney long after it was probably age appropriate for me, definitely all through high school. I loved watching some Lizzie McGuire reruns after school or even Stevens or That's So Raven. I loved all those shows. I would have those always playing in the background as I was, you know, chatting with my friends on AOL. 
Number three, Jackass, MTV Cribs, or any of the MTV early reality shows like The Osbournes or Newlyweds with Nick and Jessica. MTV was always a staple for me growing up, and I think that the programming around that time is such an interesting kind of window into what life was like. It was so celebrity-driven. There were a lot of reality shows about celebrities, but then there was stuff like Jackass, which just like, yeah, that totally makes sense that they would make a TV show like that and put it on the air. And all of these teenagers all over the world were like, yeah, this is amazing. This is the best thing I've seen on TV. And I ate up everything that MTV showed. I have an episode actually about MTV in those days because I was faithful to the MTV. Number two, present day at that time, sitcoms. So sitcoms that were on in the 2000s. I watched a lot of sitcoms, a lot more sitcoms than dramatic TV. And I think it's because for me, TV was kind of always background noise. I was watching it really passively, which is still how I watch TV. But when I started high school, Friends was still on the air. Like they were still making new episodes of Friends. Uh, that 70s show was a relatively new show. And then we had all of these sitcoms that were just kind of about like, you know, quote, normal American families, like sitcoms like Eight Simple Rules or Malcolm in the Middle. And they just made great background noise shows, again, for whatever else I was doing, like talking on the phone to my friends or going on AIM or cutting out pics from magazines to make a little collage on my bedroom wall. And I, I always watched those shows. And number one, obviously the top spot for after-school programming for anyone who came of age in the Y2K era or 2000s, TRL, obviously. I actually was not a super faithful TRL watcher in my later years of high school, definitely in my early years, but I would say post-2003, I kind of fell off a little bit. But the Y2K era, to me, could be defined almost entirely by TRL. It was such a huge part of the zeitgeist. And I was just at that age where I was the target demographic. I was obsessed with celebrities. I was obsessed with all of the pop stars, Britney, Christina, the boy bands. And that's what TRL was all about. It was about celebrity and it was about the fans. And I loved that so much. So even after I kind of got a little too old to be obsessed with boy bands and I got into high school and I wasn't, you know, that into maybe the the fan aspect of those artists anymore. I was still really interested in the other stuff that they would show on TRL. You know, I liked to see what the people were wearing. I liked to see the celebrity interviews on TRL. There was some crazy stuff that went down on TRL and I think it was a really important pop culture artifact of the 2000s and very important after school programming for any teenager of those times. So I will end it there. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, joining me for another conversation, another day time traveling back to the 2000s. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did enjoy it, I would so appreciate if you shared this episode with a friend who might also enjoy it. And don't forget to rate and review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. I'm not sure what I'm going to talk about next week, so it'll be a surprise, but I will be back next week and I'll see you all then. Bye.